Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. And welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, yeah. Now, let's get let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat ball. Well, before we begin, Kenneth, you know I always like to ask you this question. How you doing, man? I can't complain, man. Better than, you know, I am on most occasions because not only do I get to talk Miami Heat ball today, but we face the Brooklyn Nets in our next contest, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Oh, yeah. Let's go. But still, we have to discuss a game that wasn't as pleasing to watch and not a, that takes the win out of your sales whenever we discuss it. But we have to because losing is part of everything. So, Pacers Heat. This was our Saturday night game. Pacers 102, Heat 91. On It was an overtime game, so I found it particularly... I found it so incredible that we didn't get to 100 points even with an overtime. We didn't have Kyle Lowry for that game, and it was so noticeable with the game, with the way the offense was being run. We it was eerily similar, not too similar. You know, we were still we, there was still some of that new offense DNA uh, uh, in the game, but it was pretty. I feel like I was watching a game from last season. Don't you think, Kenneth? I agree and I disagree. I know what you mean by the staleness or the lack of get up and go get itness. I just created a construct. The lack of get up and go get itness um, that you saw in the Indiana game. However, I will offer this something that I've noticed, and again, it's only a couple of games into the season. When Cal Lowry isn't in the game or isn't playing as he was in Indiana, then you need Bam to revert back to more of that playmaker's mentality. And I know we're asking him to do a lot because we're asking him to be aggressive. But I think that that's why it found itself looking like a little bit of both. You still had a lot of the principle and the movement and the nuance and the mindsets of the new thing that we're seeing from the Miami Heat. But it reverted back to a little bit of the old stagnation because even Bam wasn't moving the ball, have we, as you know, hasn't, didn't move the ball in the way we've become accustomed to seeing it. So I think that's something to focus on, improve, and key on as we move forward in those Cal Loreless minutes or, Lord forbid, in more Cal Loreless games, you need Bam to revert back to more of that. So I agree, but I'm just speaking towards how it, you could see both sides because other than just the stagnation, it looked fresh, it looked new. But that stagnation came because you had moments where nobody was moving the ball, and that includes Bam. Hmm. Yeah. Jimmy didn't particularly have a great game offensively as well. He didn't shoot the ball well. And that prompted Pete Twitter to descend into madness once again about his jump shot and whatnot. He shot 31% from the field. Not great. Well, 32% if you ran it out. Not great. 7 for 22 from the field is never great. He... Contributed in other, in other areas. He had three steals. You know, his defense was still... Even his defense, I found to be a bit lacking. 
that game. Not his usual elite self. Still very good, but, you know, not the Jimmy Butler that we're used to. And he still had three steals. But, you know, you know how we feel about him jumping passing lanes and snatching the ball away. He's one of, he's the best in the league at that. Anyway, Bam, he played incredible in the first half. Then he faded a bit in the second half. But the one man who carried us offensively and the player who ended up playing sorry for the redundancy he ended up playing the most minutes even though he came off the bench was Silo Hero he ended up playing 41 minutes and well he was our catalyst offensively he shot everything I mean everything He, he emptied the clip in that game he shot he shot 28 attempts had no assists but at the end of the day we needed him to be that he I think we know what a, his role is. I mean, there's no confusion about what his job is. Spo brings him into the building every night and say, "You're gonna get 30 shots." Hit and you know ball. what was what was particularly interesting of, of this game? Tyler Hero had 30 points. He was the only bench player to reach double figures. Markeith Morris and Max Struess were the only other two guys off the bench to score. There's the game. 30 points I disagree. I, I agree and I disagree. Oh, well, I obviously, it's, not, it's never as simple as that, but you know what I'm right. saying? Like, No, I can see, and that's what I was about to say. I can see what you're putting down, but even without that, it's bigger than that. Like, it wasn't a points thing. There are certain games where I'll agree with you. If we just get three more points per guy from our bench, we win this game just based on game. But it wasn't even that, yo. It's like the team outside of scoring, they – lacked effort everywhere else. And I go back to the O'Shea Brichette rebound um, late in overtime. At that point, the game was tied 88-88. I know what you're saying. Like when on an we offensive have... rebound. Yeah, on an offensive rebound, he goes up, gets it, Offensive rebound now, not not a defensive rebound, but he grabs an offensive board in overtime, takes him up 90, which separates them from, you know, us by two points at that point. And at that point, they proceed to score nine straight points before we score another bucket. My whole thing about that game in totality was the lack of effort in all areas. And it came to a head with that one play. Because it turns out that that one play is ultimately what started to give them the separation that they needed. But it's just reflective of the fact that they didn't put enough effort into the game all night long. Whether that be defense, whether that be the little things, whether that be crashing the glass. They were giving up random and just unsatisfactory rebounds all night. It was simply an effort thing. I get what you're saying from a numbers perspective. If your bench gives you more production, then the numbers can match up. Even if that's the case, they outworked the heat on Saturday night. And that rebound is just the biggest example of how, how can a man come from the wing, get an offensive board in between at least three heat players, stick it back for a score in overtime, nonetheless, where the, and a and a team Aura of desperation team, is already there. And a team that was coming off that was coming off back to back. That that's on the second night of a back to back, coming off an overtime loss. 
we were that team was supposed to we were supposed to out hustle them but as they say that that indiana's curse for us in the in the well, season. that's two things, though, and, and I'm going to pat myself on the back separately, but you kind of hit on it, though. Yes, it's double-sided. They were coming out the second night back-to-back, -back, but they had also lost their first two games by a combined two points. You're talking about a more desperate team. That's why they outworked us. That's why they out-hustled us. That's why they did the little things better than us, because they were more desperate based on their previous two games, and you saw it. All of the little things, they did them because they were desperate. For a win now and I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be honest i had go ahead let me let me let you get that but i but as i had told you leading up to this season when you're talking about teams like indiana when you're talking about teams like memphis you know teams that are going to do the little things teams that are going to work hard they're going to be disciplined they're well coached basically teams built like us those are the teams that give us trouble and an example saturday night yeah you can't deny that that team is extremely well coached. They very disciplined team. Not no superstars to speak of like us, but they'll always bring it to you. I thought that by the third quarter we really had the game in hand because their offense and combined with their offense being stagnant combined with our defense, they scored eight points in that quarter. And at one point they looked like they just couldn't get anything going. And I really thought that we we had them. I said, damn, well, like, the first two quarters weren't pretty, but it looks like we have them. However, the fourth quarter happened, and then overtime, and we know what happened. We That's how it ended up. We came back from 10 down at half, bro, to be up by one at the end of the third period. So at half, we're down by 10, 46 to 56. And as you mentioned, uh they proceeded to score nine points. Oh, sorry. Is it eight points? No, yeah, they nine. scored eight. And then... three. Yeah, eight. Um, and the score at the end of the third period was 63 to 64. So in that period, we exerted dominance. Like, we came out and not only picked it up offensively, but defensively, you put on a show. Because, like said, as you've illustrated, I mean, they couldn't score in that third period. But... So that and and I, and I don't know if that makes it better or worse because that shows that when you want to flip that switch and give effort, you can. But then when you don't throughout the rest of the game, is that a indictment on you because you didn't? Yeah, <laughs> I I don't even know what to say. That game really pissed me off. I, I'm gonna be frank with and you. It, that game it should have, bro. And as we've discussed. As a Heat team, this culture, this organization, led by these guys, Jimmy, Bam, Cal Lori wasn't playing, but still, a Cal Lori-led team to be outworked, to be out nasty, to be out pit-bulled, that's a disgrace. It's despicable, and we won't accept it because that's just not the Heat way. So, no, I Absolutely. can understand why I pissed you off, like, supremely, because if we're going to lose, let us lose by being outscored. Let us lose because a superstar on the other team hit a shot and we couldn't hit a shot. But don't let us lose because we get outworked. That's not acceptable. Going back to there you can there's almost always 
you're there's always going to be more talent on the other side but if you get outworked that's un- inexcusable so you can control what you can control and that's your hard work right exactly if kd hit a 30 foot shot and we lose by one tap him on his butt and say we'll get you next time if Kyrie, if he plays, of course, break you down, hit you with a finger roll, kill you at the end of the clock, you tap him on his butt and say, I'm going to get you next time. If James Harden hit you with a step back and hit a three from Houston at the Clays, as KD calls it. Oh, that's hilarious, <laughs> by the way, the Clays. Um, if, if James Harden hit a step back from Houston at Barclays Center, then you tap him on his butt and say, man, I know you travel, but I can't do nothing about it. I'll get you next time. If Giannis, you know, power through the lane, and just tear the rim off the glass. I mean, you need to be stronger, but you're like, yo, you're Giannis. You're the freak. You can do that. I'll get you next time. But if they out-hustle you, if they dive more, if they do the more little things, if they are more disciplined, if they have less turnovers, those things that aren't talent or skill-based, those things that are effort-based, I can't, I can't take losing like that. So, I mean, just to, you know, put a cherry on top of it, because I'm sure we're going to move on from this frustrating experience. You have a right to, to be pissed off. We're moving on to, well, you want to say something else? We discussed Tyler Hero. You want to give him more flowers? He was making shots consistently throughout Look, the whole man, game. I, it's what I expect. Anyway. Last night, we're, by the way, we always say this, but we're recording on Tuesday, October 26th. So last night, Monday, October 25th, the Miami Heat played the Orlando Magic, our Florida rivals team. And there are two, they are two teams that are on very different, different timelines. The Heat are in pursuit of a championship. The Magic, they're rebuilding. And you know what? Credit to the Magic. They are a team that fights really hard. They won't quit. They always They're, play us tough, though, bro. They always play yeah. us tough. And last night was, again, indicative of that. They play us tough. Mo Wagner, for some reason, wanted some smoke with Detman and, and Morris. And Mo, I don't know. Maybe you're not from around these parts, but you don't want smoke with those two. I tweeted it when it happened. I know he's German. I know he's tough. But he's not Markeith, Dwayne Detman tough. Those are some big boys, too. And they really, they, they like to get nasty. Like, they come on the court hoping somebody wants smoke. That that ain't what you want. Not those two. So, the Magic put up a bit of a fight, particularly in the third quarter where they outscored us. And they made it a game. But it was too much for them to overcome. And Miami ended up winning 107-90. to Jimmy Butler, looks like he heard, he heard your criticism. Well, not yours specifically, Kenneth. But the uh, I'm gonna say, wait a minute, Twitter JJ. You, wait a minute. No, don't don't you <laughs> the put heat that Twitter, on me. He heard the heat Twitter discourse and he went off. Thirty six points on incredible efficiency. He shot seventy one percent from the field. Fifteen of twenty one overall. Thirty six points, three rebounds, two assists, five steals. That's what really gets me. There was a play at the end. I think it was at the end of the third quarter where Cole Anthony was standing at the top of the three-point line and he was going to he pass it to the wing to his left. And Jimmy Butler jumped that passing lane like a full second. Jimmy before was he, there before he let the pass go. Yeah. He read that so perfectly. He was there 
Cole Anthony was about to pass and Jimmy Butler was already there. And there was nothing that Cole Anthony could do about it because he was he already had made up his mind about passing. I hate so, to go back to the Indiana game, but he had one similar to that in the Indiana game where the guy on the right wing was trying to enter into the post and Jimmy jumped the route so beautifully. It looked like Trayvon Diggs on a on a seam route. I mean, shout out to the Cowboys. Crossover. Um, absolutely. Shout out to the Cowboys. I see you, Trayvon picks Diggs. But look, man, Jimmy, he's on a different level right now when it comes to reading the passing lanes, at least over the last two games, because what he's doing is flat out it's flat out Miss Cleo-ish. It's like he knows it's going to happen before it happens. Yeah. The guy is... The guy is Paul Atreides, the, the one who sees through space and time. That's a Dune reference for you guys right there. <laughs> oh, my anyway. God. We don't, are we going to do this again, JJ? We, we don't need to do this again. Well, in the future, we might. So, Kawhi returned. The offense looked in control once again. We looked like the heat offense that we were seeing in the preseason and saw in the first game. The shots aren't really falling for Kyle Lowry. I'm not really worried about it. He had nine points, eight assists. Led, but he wasn't the, our leader in assists. You know who who it was? Oh, I know. You tell the world. It was the bucket. Tyler Hero, the guy. I'm not, listen, I'm. I'm not going to hide it. Cole Anthony put some work on Tyler Hero guarding him. I'm not going to deny it. Cole Anthony, R.G. Hampton, they were hounding him. They were both they're both athletic guards. And they're more, more athletic than Tyler. And Tyler still made some tough shots. And he got open a couple of times, but he wasn't dominating. He still had 13.5 rebounds, 9 assists. Tyler Hero, really good rebounder for a guard. Excellent Bam. rebounder for a guard and always has been, but it's encouraging. Even when the shot isn't falling, he still finds a way to make an impact. Still got beyond double-digit scoring for your guy off the bench. Got you 13 points, which you can accept, and he got you nine dimes, and as you mentioned, your five rebounds. So if you extrapolate out for the nine dimes, then yeah, he only got you 13 points, but he was accountable for 31. That's a win. Exactly. So, the other big surprise of the night was Markeith Morris. His best surprise game as a Heat you. player. Surprise for you, by the way. I told you that's what Markeith was, but I'll let you get that out because I, I, hey, I'm, but it, I'm dying on this was, hill, brother. It was his best game as a Heat player. Granted, it's been three games. It's only been three even, games, JJ. Even, even in the preseason, he didn't look this good. He was making. I and, disagree, uh, was, though, bro. I mean, the, and, and it goes back to the whole concept with Bam. Like, we've talked about it. The shots are going to fall sometime, and the shots are not going to fall sometime. But was it a good look? And you had, and and, and the same thing with a conversation we'll get to later. You really start to realize whose basketball opinion you should take serious or not based on the, hmm, the recency bias of most opinionated fans. And I say that to say the shots that he took in the preseason were good looks. We brought him in to be a secondary shot creator on the second unit when you look at the morris twins both him and his brother their ability to be instant offense has been the thing that's really separated them even from their time at kansas yeah marcus wanted to be more of a wing and markeith was more of a true power player a stretch for in the league but they both had that similar skill set where they could do either 
Like their gift was their ability to create offense. And that's why Markeith came here for a team that has struggled with offensive stagnation and specifically getting bench production on a regular basis from game to game. Then you bring a guy in to supplement Tyler, to supplement Mike Struess, to supplement Dwayne Dedman, that you can go to him at any given point and you may not love the look, but he's always going to get a decent look off. Again, take it or leave it. You may not love it, but in situations where you're talking about guys who sometimes have struggled to even get looks off in the past couple of years, to have a guy that you can always count on to go get himself a shot, that's invaluable. And Bam said it after the game last night. He calls Markeith Morris Megatron. I'm assuming it's in reference to Calvin Johnson, but he says, basically, if you got five seconds or less left on the shot clock and you need a shot, get it to Markeith because he'll get you a shot. And that's his job. And he's done that through the entirety of the preseason and the regular season. Shots may fall and shots might not fall, but this is what will happen on most nights when you give him the looks. Hmm. That's interesting. I still think this was his best game. He played really, although, you know, the shots were falling, but the way he was getting the shots, what I mean, Kenneth, they, sure, he shot some threes. Some people had the misconception that he was going to come in here as a stretch four. He is not that. They used him in the pick and roll, had him pop up in the in the mid-range area. He even posted out after, after his little dust-up with Mo Wagner. He demanded the ball. He got him in the post, and he made a fadeaway shot. I know he must have said some really nice things to Mo when they were on their back, on their way back to the to the other end of the court. All right, I need, to correct you. Goes. I need to correct you because I don't want you to go on with that, what I feel is erroneous. I disagree. He is a stretch four and the four three-point attempts say he is, no. even though he only made one. Secondly, it wasn't a fadeaway. It was a short corner baseline shot in Mo's face, a step ahead of the three-point line, which further goes to the fact that he's a stretch four. Continue, my friend. Okay. Agree to disagree. But however, it was still a really good Markeith game. We got to talk about that, though. Explain that. How does he not a stretch four, but he had four three-point attempts? Because I don't see him as a prolific stretch four is what I mean. Ah, that's, uh, that's different. Ah, ah. Now you're talking quality. That's different than saying he's not a stretch four. Do you see what I'm saying? So what... So when I say stretch four, I mean a guy that can shoot the ball, but he can shoot it actually, like... A quality shooter. And he had that one season in Detroit where he shot 40%, but other than that, he has been around average to below average. Well, here's the um, thing, though, man. What you got to realize in the league, and a lot of people, they really blow me with this. In the NBA, if you're shooting 33% or better, you're a good three-point shooter because what that means is one for every three. 30% is average. Like, I didn't say you were great. I didn't say you were elite, but at 33% or better, you can shoot the three for me and nobody's going to mind. You mentioned the Detroit season. A lot of people do where he shot 39, but he shot 33 in 19-20 with the Lakers. He shot uh, 33, almost 34 with OKC. He shot 36 in 18-17-18 with Washington. I mean, 36 in the season prior. I mean, he's right there, bro. Yeah, he's right there, bro, between 33 and 36 for his career, I mean, he's a good three-point shooter. He's not Duncan, and he's not terrible, but he's good. I want to segue into Duncan. I've seen uh, some weird discourse around Duncan Robinson. Sure, 
Oh, brother. He's not I know what you I know where you're going. Oh, brother. Let me let me prepare myself. You have the floor. He hasn't been 45% from 3 Duncan. I'm not going to deny it. But the way he has been stretching defenses. I mean, do you even see his impact even when he's not shooting well? Do you know how far out they're guarding him? Do you know how he basically takes a defend he takes a defender out of the play? Because he starts running around, and he the the other defender they have to devote a defender just to him. So that when you have to devote a Reese and one player to one to another guy, and you cannot leave him, that's a valuable resource because defense is probably the most the the most important part on on the court that requires team. And when you take a guy out of the equation, you you're at an immediate disadvantage. So, yes, could Duncan be a, could Duncan shoot it better? Yes, of course he can. We have seen he he we have seen him do it. Will he? I trust he he will. Has he been playing bad? No, absolutely not. He's actually been passing the ball, and he hasn't actually been making an effort to get to the cup. So, no. To the weird trade talk that we saw last night for some reason. No, we're not trading him unless we don't think, I don't think he'll ever get traded unless we get a real difference maker back. And yes, I saw somebody mention that ultimately, if Tyler keeps playing like he is, when at one point we will have to decide between moving Duncan to the bench where he'll be incredibly less effective, in my opinion. Or starting them both, which again you can't do with because you have Kyle Lowry. But we should not be looking so far ahead because, as my friend Bo Esti said today on Twitter, he said that it might hurt in the con- for content creators like us. But you, he really doesn't make any true judgment on a team until after Christmas Day, which I think is a good cutoff because by then you have what. A month, a month, almost two months of regular season basketball. That's when you start weeding out the contend, the real contenders from the pretenders. That's when you start knowing how the team will actually look like. And even then, you still got four months of basketball, of regular season basketball left that could could switch, swing a season. Who better than the Miami Heat of I want to say 2015? or it was a 2017, I'm not sure, where after the All-Star break, they were a different team, and they damn near made the playoffs after after being one of the worst teams in the league prior to the All-Star break. This is a marathon, not a sprint, and it's no, it's a cliche, but this is how... The re- This is how sports are. This is how the regular season is. That's why winning a championship is so damn hard. So, Kenneth... What would you say to the Duncan Robinson discourse? I know I said a lot, but I'll, the floor is yours. Listen, man. Um, when you're thinking about Duncan Robinson, think about the fact that his ability to command eyes makes it easier for everybody else. Even if he's not hitting a jump shot, his impact 
is so great. They you can't double you you it's it's hard to double team anybody on the Miami Heat because you as you said you have to commit a guy to Duncan and he's never in the same spot for more than two seconds. Think about that. Like there's always a guy that has to chase him around, which leaves four guys to guard the other four guys. And if you try to double team one of the other three big guys who are going to be Jimmy, Bam, or Kyle. Or or Tyler, if the, if he's on the well, floor at the same right, time. But I'm, right, but I'm just saying with the starting unit. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. If you're going to double Jimmy, Bam, or Kyle, then you're leaving P.J. open in P.J.'s corner, and we'll take that. Now, even if you're going to sag off P.J. in P.J.'s corner, you still have to have an eye over there so you can't truly double any of those other guys. It's a situation where they don't offer the same. That's the first thing for Duncan. Like you, if, if you're saying he's not playing well, it's because you don't know what you're looking at. I'll, I'll just go ahead and put it out there. You don't know as much as you think you do if you're saying he's not making the impact. Secondly, you also don't know as much as if you think you do if you think that placing Tyler in the starting unit and dunking on the second unit not only improves our team, but does it make us worse? It totally makes us worse. The first unit works because of what Duncan provides. The first unit works because even when he doesn't have the ball, you have to have a guy committed to him. Not sagging his way, not leaning his way, not looking his way. You have to have a guy in his chest even when he doesn't have the ball. That's so impactful for the first unit. When you're thinking about Tyler Hero, there's only one ball. There's only one ball. And if you want him to be the best version of himself, he needs the ball. He needs that ball. He's not going to see as much of that one ball playing with Jimmy, Kyle, and Bam. If you want to maximize what he does, you put him in a scenario where he is the Jimmy, the Kyle, the Bam. He is the number one option. That's why it's imperative, important, and most productive to have him as the sixth man. Because flip-flopping him and Duncan doesn't do anything for the team besides make them worse. It makes them easier to guard. Because then you don't have a creator, a guy who could go get his own at any time on that second unit. And then you also don't have a guy with the gravity that Duncan has on that first unit. Tyler's becoming a better three-point shooter, even with more volume, and you've seen it through the preseason in the first couple of games, but he's not Duncan. Specifically from the shooting area, three-point shooting area, he's not Duncan. He wouldn't present that same sort of gravity. So even though you still have to monitor and watch him, that would provide you with an opportunity to sag off and double or help on other guys, whereas you absolutely cannot do that with Duncan. So right. to further to piggyback and, on your situation, you hear a lot of that trade Duncan Jazz. It's like, again, the Miami Heat gave him $90 million because somebody would have if they didn't. Plain and simple. And they know better, and they know what he offers, and they know what he brings, and they know his value. So if you're hoping that they trade him, hope in one hand and poo in the other one and see which one fills up faster. <laughs> Oh man, that was that that was a good one. So 
I think we've we've talked enough about this Magic game and Duncan Robinson in general. Let's preview the Brooklyn Nets, a team that's a bit of a bit of a disarray. If disarray, I'm not gonna lie. No, pat me on my back again because I told you for months coming into the season, I'm not as high on this Brooklyn team as everybody else is. Uh, I gotta see it. I don't know. You remember that, JJ? Yeah, I do remember it. I still think it's a bit too early to pat yourself on the back. It's three games. Um, it's been four. It's been four I, games for them. I, I disagree with that. I'm not. I, I never said they wouldn't be a good team. Did I say that? No. No. Hey. Hey. Right. hey. I. I didn't say that either. Right. I just well, said no. 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 You're saying it's too early to pat myself on the back, and I totally disagree because my point was that they wouldn't be these world beaters that all of you guys had. Everybody, when they start talking about the Brooklyn Nets, they took a breath and got quiet. I don't know, man. They're go- even you, JJ. That was my I, point. My point is they wouldn't be the 73-win Warriors, and they're not. No. I never thought they were going to be the 73 Warriors. Win Warriors, excuse me. But like I did the way think, you guys talked I about did, them was did, that we should I did fear. think they were going to be a 60-plus win team. I right, and they won't they, be. And they won't be. And that was my point. So to say it's too early for me to pat myself on the back is erroneous. Because my only point <laughs> is that they wouldn't be this dominant world-beating team that all of you guys had them be. Can we agree you there? You say that maybe. I can't say for sure yet. It's been four games, man, for them. Bro, bro, I understand. But if you look at the quality of teams they play and the teams that they lost against, there's no way they can be that world-beating team. Do you see what I'm saying? I know that there's still things that shake out. I know that. I understand that. I completely understand that. But you're telling me, you're telling me that the team that lost to the Hornets you're telling me that the team that lost to the Bucks on opening night by nearly 20 points, you're telling me the team that only beat the Ben Simmons 76ers by a grand total of five points is going to win 60 games. Is that what you're telling me? I have no comment. I, I can't say don't. they will. I bet you I, don't. I, I, I can't say they will. I can't say they won't. Any other Not team, yet. JJ, you would back off that 60 so fast but because it doesn't fit your narrative, you won't. And that's okay. I said what I said, and I know what I said, and they ain't as good as y'all thought they was. I digress. You, you know what, Kenneth? You know what, Kenneth? Let's agree to something. Whenever they, when it, whenever they, the sixty-win season becomes mathematically impossible, I'll gladly say I was wrong. Because Why do we I have to wait till it becomes mathematically impossible, JJ? You're a sports guy. Let's say this. okay, if the, Miami, okay, okay. if the Miami Heat had came out and went zero and three, you would be panicking out of your wazoo right now, wouldn't you? Of course. But right. So why but, can't you do the same type of projection for the Brooklyn Nets? Because I would be panicking for the Heat, but I would also keep a level head and say, "Okay, we're still three games in." Again, Kenneth, let's keep let's let's wait until Christmas Day. Well, no, 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 JJ, we got to talk about this. So to keep a level head here would only be to assume that being two and two right now so that's four games so that means they have 78 games left right they've already lost two through their first four so what you mean to tell me is it's not keeping a level head by projecting out saying they'll lose more than 18 more games because to say that they'll they'll only lose 18 more games seems a bit opposite of level headedness to me i just want you to have some I'm, consistency make it make sense i don't i'm not i'm not saying that Listen, what I mean by a level head is that I can't come to any conclusions right now. I have said that maybe I I said 
And you, mm. and you, you heard me say, you heard me say mm. today, may, maybe. I said maybe. Mm. Maybe not. But anyway, let's talk about the actual basketball game. Heat, Nets. I almost said Hornets for some reason. In Brooklyn. Yeah, because that's the team that beat the Nets. My bad. I'm sorry. I had to. <laughs> Come on, man. So, James Harden has been the target of much scrutiny this season. He has has barely been to the free throw line. People are attributing it to the to the rule change and whatever. Maybe the rule change is playing a bit into that. I haven't seen enough Brooklyn games, I'll be honest. I just saw the the fourth quarter of the of the Sixers game and I saw the opening night game, of course, as everybody did, because we were starved for real NBA basketball. I don't see the rim frequency of for James Harden as much as you know we're used to seeing of him. He was one of the best drivers in basketball and most efficient scorers at the cup. Sure, he got a lot of foul calls. Maybe if hey, he was never going to score thirty-five points a game like he did in Houston, but seventeen a game. Seven rebounds and eight assists. Again, not bad numbers. Of course, if any other guy, let's say Jeremy Lamb. Sorry, Jeremy Lamb. I don't mean for you to catch a straight today. But let's say Jeremy Lamb was averaging those numbers. We would be like, oh, my God, Jeremy Lamb. But it's James Harden. We He has a set of expectations attached to his name. So he has been living up to his expectations. And with the Nets missing their third guy... Kyrie Irving and it sure as hell doesn't seem like he's coming in anytime soon although I hope that the I hope that he took a look at the people that were at the demonstration yesterday at, at Barclays Center and he and I want him to make a Venn diagram of the people that were there and and another certain event that we will not talk about but I don't think the Venn diagram is too it's too different from those two people but anyway Kevin Durant has been amazing but he's KD or do you have anything else to say about that, Kenneth? Um, James Harden, as you mentioned, the free throw thing is really interesting to me. A guy that throughout his career has averaged almost nine free throw attempts per game, 8.7 to be specific, averaged 10.4 free throw attempts per game throughout nine seasons in Houston, 3.6 free throws per game throughout three seasons in OKC, and um, throughout his two seasons thus far in Brooklyn, has averaged 5.9, even though he's only been three games into this season, has averaged 5.9 free throws per game. The guy's only shot 12 free throws through four games. That's a grand total of three free throws a game. Uh, he can't be himself at that total. At that at that rate of free throws per game, he's not James Harden. Right, and that's one, that's what's, would you say that was his greatest strength? Getting the, getting the, the the foul call. I would Putting say his greatest, in a bind. I would say his greatest strength was his ability to create space. But I feel like that ability, like you said, has so much to do his his jump shot. His greatest ability is the ability to create, create space. But that's only there because of two parts: his ability to hit the jump shot and his ability to draw fouls. So yes, in a roundabout way, I just wanted to make sure I was being clear because. If you're not worried about fouling him, 
you're going to play tighter on him. So his ability to create space dissipates. Yeah. So I don't think you want to talk Kevin Durant. I don't think we need to talk Kevin Durant. He has been. We Kevin know who Durant. he is. We know who he is, right? You you know who he is. Yeah. He's Kevin Durant. Did you see what so, I was doing there? Of course. He's Kevin Durant. Patty Mills, though, he has been really good for them. And he, a, a good shooter for them off the bench. They, I can't comment too much on how they're running their offense right now because, or how they're running their, I, well, they're switching on defense as they did last season. So, what? how would we counter what they do is what is my question. On defense, what we have... The Kevin Durant stopper, PJ Tucker. That's a that's a bad joke, of course. But we can stick PJ on him, and then they'll they're probably starting Blake Griffin again. Although Lamarcus Aldridge has been playing really well with that lineup, so I don't know how they roll. But I'll be interested to see how they do. On the I'll other, say this. On the other, I'll say this: Patty Mills, he has been playing well. But here's the thing that kills Patty Mills. He's not Kyrie Irving, and that's the thing that'll ultimately kill Brooklyn. Um, now, when it comes to as far as how we should play them, it's going to be one of those things where, like you said, it's Kevin Durant and it's James Harden, so you're not going to be able to stop them from scoring overall. It'll come down to the last quarters and who can make the bigger stops. Because I think that when you include Cal Lloyd's pace, the total amount of offense we have from a depth perspective, and then the ability for multiple guys on multiple units to come in and create good looks for themselves, I think it'll come down to who can make the biggest stop last, if that makes sense. Like, they'll always be able to get a good look. But if we, coming down the stretch, you know, six minutes or so left in the fourth quarter, if we can make a couple of key stops, I think that can give us the separation to pull away. Yeah. I think... And if if that's if if it comes down to defense, I'll take my guys every time, because I don't know if you know Kenneth, but by defensive rating, the Miami Heat had the best defense in the league, through three games, granted, but still, I think that's the ex that was the expect expectation coming into the season, right? Best defense in the league. Absolutely, and if not the very best, top three. So. Additionally, we have the best net rating in the league. Of course, our two wins this season have been blowouts. Although the Magic, the Magic win, I would say, was a comfortable win, not a blowout, but aided by the opening night blowout of the Bucks and the seventeen point win over the over the Orlando Magic. That gives us the best net rating. So for this game. It will be our second road game of the of the season. I would say I'm always going to pick my guys, you know that. Until unless there's a trap game of sorts, but Brooklyn hasn't looked that well, that good this season and we know they struggle. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. I will not let you do this. You mean to tell me you had that whole argument with me before we discussed this and you're going to turn around and say Brooklyn hasn't looked I, That's all right. I digress, JJ. Go ahead. You know I love you. <laughs> they haven't looked as good as we have hoped. I want to say this with nuance. They have you have good. hoped. I knew they wouldn't look good. Okay, I'm getting back off. As, as we expected, you know. I, I sometimes I, my words 
can get in the way. Anyway, I think we win. Our guys win. They, By the way, people, me and JJ really like each other. I'm only able to say these things to him because he likes me. Yeah. Well, I fairly like Kenneth. Just joking, of course. Fairly? Love Just Kenneth. relatively? <laughs> no, man. I, I love uh, my guy, Kenneth. So, our guys win, right? Absolutely, man. I, I don't think we win going away or anything like that. I think it ends up being like a six-point game. Strangely enough, I don't think either team cracks 100, or if we do, it's like 100 or 101. Um, but I can see this being a 94, 100, 96, 101 game. Because, again, I think that they have the talent to be able to stick with you and sustain offensively all game. It's going to come down to those last moments where you pull out that one wrinkle that you know can get you to stop when you need it. The wrinkle you're saving all game, you know, to pull out um, to get that stop. Because I don't think that they have the requisite ability to stop the Miami Heat once they get going, whereas the Miami Heat does have the ability to put up a bit of resistance. You mentioned P.J. Tucker. We have Jimmy Butler. We have Cal Lord. We have Bam Adebayo. We also have size with Dwayne Dabman. Of course, Marquise Moore showed you what he can do when he's going good. Boy Wonder has been killing this season, even though he didn't put up the same scoring totals in the last game. As we mentioned, he was accountable for 31 points. So when you have all of that um, basically in competition with their main two guys, plus Patty Mills and, like I said, their auxiliary players, Blake Griffin and um, – you know, you look at and LA. Marcus Aldridge. Right. You look at LA. Paul Millsap's there too, isn't he? Yeah. And he hasn't yeah. he has been playing solid minutes. Right. No, him. no, they they've all played decently in their roles. I, that's why I mentioned it because I want to say that I saw his time. I was like, mm. but but you know I said that about Paul Millsap. Like you might look at him and see and see the decline in his numbers from a raw perspective over the last couple of years and say, Paul Millsap, that's not a but you know, who would you rather have in the last minutes where you need a big rebound and stick back other than a guy like Paul Millsap or L.A. even, you know what I mean? So, no, um, I just think from an overall raw perspective, we're going to be able to compete with them on offense where they won't be able to compete with us on defense, and that's what will separate it in the last couple of minutes. That's why I said, like I said, I can totally see this game being like 94 to 101, 96 to 102, something like that. But I do think we end up pulling it out because I think we have the ability to go get a big stop and a big bucket, whereas they only have the ability or they have more of an ability to go get a big shot as opposed to a big stop. Right. So with all that being said, I think that's this is a good this is a good place to wrap up. Our first episode of the week will be coming back to you at the end of the no. week. We, that's right. Remember, we're, we have moved to two episodes a week. So thank you for your continued support. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a five-star review and a short, a five-star rating and a short review. I always get those two words mixed up on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe. It helps the algorithm, helps us grow. Please do follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. And where can they find you on social media, JJ? They can find me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. That's J J R I V S and Victor E R A N B A. And you can find me on Instagram at J Rivera ninety eight. That's J A I R O R I V S and Victor E R A ninety eight. And where can we find you, my friend? 
I do apologize about the ringing phone in the background, but you can find me on Twitter at K said K that's K underscore S A I D underscore Q U E again, K underscore the word said underscore Q U E that's K said K on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find me at I am K Cyrus. That's I the word am A M the letter K C I R R U S again. That's I am K Cyrus on Instagram. And we appreciate you guys, man. We so appreciate you guys. Absolutely. So thank you for listening. See you later in the week. Bye-bye.